Urban Spelunking is supported by Landmark Credit Union. Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Okay, Bobby, this week we are on the Upper East Side at the Wistwell Mansion. <laughs> this is an area that we've talked about before, kind of, I mean, what better location? This is a, a mansion that overlooks Lake Park. Um, it probably is the most prestigious neighborhood in Milwaukee, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've always wondered when you pass these incredible mansions around you know, Lake Drive, like what does it look like inside? So we're answering that question today. Here's a mansion that is for sale that, hey, you could go buy if you wanted. Yeah, 2701 North Lake Drive, right where Lake Drive and Park Place and Wall Avenue all kind of come together right across the street from... Uh, Lake Park. And it's a neighborhood we've been sort of slowly picking off mansions as, yeah. they, as, <laughs> as they come up for sale and we can convince realtors to let us in. We went to the Goldberg Mansion, the Cowdery Mansion, like all these places just right around there because it's such a rich variety of interesting houses, right? Especially with this one too, the story of the various people who live there to me is always really interesting. Like the, the house is a good, ex- the, the beauty of the house is a good visual sort of like entree it, that opens the doors to the, this interesting History. Right? Yeah, you're. I'm just like you're just like automatically curious about what these look like inside, and then yeah. you always end up finding these amazing stories about the families that have lived there over the years. Uh, we're gonna get into that later on in the conversation, but let's talk about the mansion itself. If you buy this mansion, since it's for sale, yeah, uh, you're gonna get some really incredible features. Of course, um, the dining room is beautiful. Some incredible plaster work on the ceilings. You got the staircases and the hardwood floors. When was this built, and what are some of the best features? Uh, 1895, 96. It was was designed by Ferry and Kloss, who were famous Milwaukee architects. Yeah, yeah. Here did the mm-hmm. Central Library, all kinds of uh, Paps Mansion. So this was a pretty prestigious firm to hire to do your your house. But it's like a Tudor style house, so it's uh, and it's got this really dark stone on the outside, which I noticed uh, when I posted the story. And on Milwaukee, some people commented, "Oh, it's too dark for me." Um, but most people said, "You know." Oh, yeah, I'd live there anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so it's got this beautiful, it's very distinctive-looking stone and kind of half-timbering above it. Um, And then inside, as we said, it's got that that gorgeous library with the... plaster ceiling and built-in bookshelves and a fireplace and the the dining room has a really great old chandelier and again some more built-ins and just just the kind of craftsmanship you expect in a house like this lots of beautiful hardwood floors the railings and the newel posts on the steps are all really beautifully done and so lots of good little details and there's tons of incredible architecture in this pocket of Milwaukee, um, and it really is the very best. You talk about Ferry and Klaus, um, I mean, Paps Mansion, right? I yeah, mean, right. And I think all these people were, you know, these were all, the, this was the, you know, the rich folk in Milwaukee. They were all trying to probably one-up each other. Right, I time, can only you know? imagine, oh, Did you yeah. see that place, Cowdery built? Oh, I'm going to build something better. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure they were all, there was a whole lot of either subtle or not so subtle uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses and exceed the Joneses. Well, of course, the pictures speak for themselves. You got to look at those pictures to really see the beauty. But, you know, there's so much more of a story here. There's, you know, generations of history inside this mansion and really different types of people lived here over the years. So we're going to go through some of the, the main residents that lived at the Wistwell Mansion on Milwaukee's Upper East Side, a mansion that's for sale right now in our extended conversation next on Urban Spelunking. Support for 88.9 Radio Milwaukee comes from your membership and Landmark Credit Union. Landmark Credit Union is proud to support Urban Spelunking and is proud to have been guiding members with financial options since 1933. 
Information about membership is at LandmarkCU.com. Landmark Credit Union. A donation comes in many forms. A sustaining membership, one-time gift, and even that vehicle you no longer use. Whether it's a car, truck, or boat, donating is a great way to support this station. Even if it's no longer running, your vehicle donation could be worth hundreds of dollars in support of the programming you enjoy. Get the process started today by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars. And we are back on the Upper East Side of Milwaukee talking about the Wistwell Mansion, Bobby. All right, so let's start with uh, the namesake, Wistwell. So George Wistwell came from um, Walworth County, and he had uh, studied to be a tinsmith, but then later ended up getting involved in politics and uh, became sort of big in insurance. Okay. And I think that's where he made his money, not in, in tinsmithing. Um, <laughs> so, politics and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, he was extremely active in the Republican Party. And he had an interesting job. He was the sergeant. He started out at the, as the assistant sergeant at arms at the Republican National Conventions every four years. Um, and having sort of made a name for himself. And those were the people who kind of organized the thing and kept order and kept it all kind of moving along, you know. So um, they're not they're not security. This is uh what Yeah, is not really. They're right, they're not bouncers. <laughs> right. They're they're more just kind of like organizing the event Got and, it. and running the event. And um he ultimately runs one himself, becomes a sergeant at arms and gets sort of a national reputation for the for the fine work doing that. Um and back in Milwaukee he's obviously making a lot of money as the president of the Milwaukee Mutual Insurance Company. Um and that's how he builds this home and right after they build it his daughter gets married there which is interesting one of the first things in the newspaper about it is a really long description of his daughter's wedding there about the every kind of flower that's being used in every situation yeah they had everything the dining room has these 26 kinds of flowers so did they like send a reporter to these high profile weddings back in the day i'm guessing i mean unless somebody like just told them afterward or something but it's, it's pretty incredible the detail um, I mean, they're down to like the the uh, the the bridesmaids, the flower girls yeah, that were wearing this kind of flower. And uh-huh. the, right, it was incredible. Key blossoms. And- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then he did not get to live there very long because um, in 1902, so you know, like six, five, six years after they moved in, um, he died, and they had the sort of visitation at the at the house, um, and then the family ends up selling the house. Um, to a Racine native named Frank Fish, who was a judge. He was a judge, okay. Yeah, he was a judge. Judge he was, Fish. He, yeah, he was active in um, in a law firm in Racine, then had moved to Texas briefly, um, where he was somehow involved in oil wells or something. And okay, then, Judge Fish. Judge Keep Fish. Keep him busy. Well, I mean, let's go back to that wedding and the funeral right before oh, yeah, Judge yeah. Fish, because... That kind of struck me when I was reading it. Was that really common at the time that that funerals and wakes would be held at a person's home? I feel like it is. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you see loads of pictures from back then where you know the the coffin is in the middle of the living room or something, and you know the family's arrayed around it. Um, I'm not sure that funeral homes really. I mean, there were funeral homes, but I'm not sure they really kind of came to be as ubiquitous as they are hmm. now in terms of. Like now, you would ne- you would never really think of doing that, right? I mean, you would never. I don't know. It almost, almost sounds kind of peaceful. It does, but it's. I mean, how many have you been to? Though? <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's just not. 
it's just not done that much. But I think back then it was much more common. Yeah, and on the other side of the spectrum, they had this big high-profile wedding. Yeah, they right, were, I right mean, they the weren't there very long, but they really did live in this house, didn't they? I mean, they had a wedding there, they had a funeral there. I mean, it was like these major life moments all took place in that house. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so Judge yeah. Fish lives there next. So Fish, um, so he, um, interestingly, he was back in Milwaukee. Around, the, he comes back to Milwaukee, buys the house. Um, and he was the president of the Badger Long Distance Telephone Company. He was kind oh. of an early uh, okay. telephone guy in Milwaukee. Um, but he didn't live very long. He died in 1908 um, before telephones were really... He didn't get to see them take this off. This is kind right? of a sad story. So, like, yeah. the, the um, Wiswell lives there for five years and dies. Yeah. And then Judge Fish lives there. Like, four years, you know, right? And then the telephone... Was the telephone guy the same guy? No, yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah, that's yeah. Fish. Yeah. So yeah. then he lives there for a little bit and dies. Right. What about the next? People were just dying, man. <laughs> <laughs> right um, before all their stuff so the took off. the next one was owned by uh, Fred Prescott. Uh, okay. Who Sawmill. Had, yeah, Sawmill guy. He'd come to Milwaukee in 1904 from Michigan where his family had like a sawmill. They made sawmills and manufactured sawmills. They weren't actually milling, okay. I don't believe. They were, they, um, and then later, he and his brother bought out... Um, some partners and started the Marinette Iron Works Company, which was doing the same sort of work. Anyway, they came to Milwaukee. He owned the house for a while. Um, and then he put up the house up for sale in 1913 when they left town. And okay. we have a great ad in the story showing from that time with a, a drawing of the house and a really nice description. Yeah, it's so cool that you find these these mm-hmm. multiple for sale ads for this home. And it's for sale today. So you can kind of see how it's been marketed over the years too, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, now the next woman who lived there was um, a widow who bought the house after her husband had died. Um, Good for her. And her name was Natalie Rice Wall. And she must have been related to Christian Wall somehow. Christian Wall being the sort of the father of Milwaukee's park system, which is why Wall Avenue was named that. But I I was not able to find out exactly what that relationship was. Um, Give her credit for just buying a mansion on her own after she's been widowed. But what was interesting about her was that she went to um, Madison and got a degree in letters and science in Madison. Um, And she was in her 40s at that point, though, Mm. which had to be sort of unusual for a woman in her 40s to go to university and Oh, she went there to attend school. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, And then next to her uh, yearbook photo in the Badger, I managed to find her, the the Badger yearbook. (laughs) Found her her yearbook photo next to it. It was her motto, which was, it's never too late to learn. Oh, perfect. Which seemed perfect, right? Yeah. Now, the next guy, though, is really interesting, super interesting guy, Abraham Saltstein, who was um, another insurance guy, uh, like Wiswell. And... um, he was um, born in Poland and then came to Milwaukee in 1896 um, and was a an agent for like the main agent for the area for this one uh, insurance company f- for almost 50 years, like the same oh, company wow. for a really long time, um, became really well known and respected in insurance circles because of, you know, because of this job. He was a very high profile guy, but he was also extremely active in um Jewish causes, like Federated Jewish Charities. He was among the founders of the Federated Jewish Charities. Um, He was the president of the Hebrew Relief Society. Um, And in 1904, he proposed creating a loan bureau for poor people to prevent them having to, like, go to loan sharks to get loans and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, 
He served on the board of the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee. He was uh, on the board of the Hebrew College and the Union of American Hebrew Congregations. He was chairman of the United Jewish Appeal. So he was like... Everybody knew this and, guy, huh? And he was nationally known for all of this kind of, this work that he was doing. Um, and interestingly, in 1914, he went to Rome with the, uh, you know, Milwaukee used to actually have an Italian consulate. Um, so with uh, the Italian consul Erminio Conte, he went to have an audience with the Pope. He met the Pope. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I had no idea that Milwaukee had an Italian consulate. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's, what's the story and for there? Couple, and for a couple of generations. I'm not sure why. I think a lot of countries, ha- because there were so many immigrants, there was so much immigration at the time, okay. that countries had consuls in smaller cities like this because there were so many immigrants coming. So to help them with passports and, you know, sending money back and all sorts of things. Um, So then he and his wife moved to the Shorecrest Hotel in the mid-40s, and they sold the house to Edward Gillen. And that's where it gets one of its names, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Edward Gillen was another guy from Racine, like Judge Fish, um, who had a family business like the Prescott's. Um, but his family business was um, marine construction. Okay. Oh, this is the Breakwaters. Yes. Yes. So this. So Edward Gillen is this guy who has a company called Gillen Company, um, and they do everything you can think of related to marine construction. They dredge harbors and rivers. They, <coughs> they build seawalls. Can you say they they dredge harbors oh, yeah. and rivers? They dredge harbors and rivers. They build seawalls. They build lighthouses. They build. Um, they tow ships that are need to be towed, you know, like they just, they build docks, they build piers, they've just everything you can think of. Um, and some of the things they did around Milwaukee were, um, they built, oh, they did pile driving as well for foundations. They did that, uh, for the Jones Island water treatment plant. Okay. They built the, uh, they also came up with a, mo- a method of building those rubble, um, breakwaters. Yes. Like you, when you look out at the breakwaters mm-hmm. in Milwaukee, which the Gillen company built, they uh, developed a means for getting the stone out there and piling it up. And so they were key to building the breakwaters around here as well. That is something as a lifelong Milwaukeean I've always wondered about. You know, when you go to Summerfest, the Mm -hmm. the rocks at Summerfest and along the whole lakefront there is just, how did they get this under control and how did they move these massive rocks and how did they just build this back then? I think they developed... um, a boat that could go out there and then had a hopper that could spill them out. Wow. Like a train car. Yeah. You know, has, like a hopper that has that ability to kind of spill like a dump truck. Um, so, yeah, the Gillen Company still exists. They're, um, they're headquartered now in Mequon. But for decades and decades and decades, they built all this kind of stuff, not only in Milwaukee, but Racine, Chicago, Kenosha, Manitowoc, all over the place. So then when he died in the 50s, we're back to death. Ah, <laughs> uh, here we are again. Right. <laughs> Death. Um, so in in the fifties, he died, and his wife, sta- his widow, stayed there a little longer, and then sold the house. And there was kind of a at that point, there were a number of people who came and went, and I didn't document them. They weren't there very long, most of those. Um, and then in sixty six, the Kissinger family moved in, and I talked to John Kissinger, who is the CEO of Grafe. Oh yeah, which mm-hmm. is a construction, construction and design yeah. architecture firm. Um, it in the former Grand Avenue Mall, and he's. <coughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. And he told me some stories about living there, which was fun. And, and he gave me some great photos to include, like his whole family sitting on the steps. Um, and then uh, a, 
uh, float that his uh, family had built for the Riverside High School parade, <laughs> like homecoming parade. So he had some really interesting, fun stories and photos to share too. And and I, then I sort of just I kind of wrapped it at the end of the Kissinger era, which was the early '80s. I'm glad you included that detail too, because I think when you when you look at these mansions, you you I don't know. I guess maybe I'll to speak for myself, but you tend to kind of separate. You think like. Oh, these are elite, you know, like millionaire, billionaire type people. And, uh, you know, when you see a, a high school homecoming float, you know, parked yeah. in their garage, it kind of shows that they, you know, yeah, they're wealthy, but they're also plugged into the community and have have kids of school age. And, right. And they went to public schools. And right. Yeah. And, and I love the the photo of the family sitting on the steps in, in the, you know, the main staircase in the hallway because you can see mom and dad and all the kids and stuff. And it just. It really makes you like you can go in there now and say, oh, this is a beautiful home and read about all the history. But to actually see a family who lived there for, you know, 20 years sitting on the steps in their house, it it gives you a whole different feel for the place. Well, definitely check out the pictures. And I mean, you did the deep dive here, Bobby. You found a lot, a lot of history inside this mansion. And I just think that it's so cool that, you know, as always, you find a compelling story and it connects back to the, you know, the something that everybody has some kind of reference to the breakwater, the rocks by Lake Michigan here in Milwaukee, you know, that's tangible, right? I mean, it's like, you you could say, okay, that was Gillen of Gillen Marine construction, but that doesn't mean anything. But if I tell you, he's the guy who built the breakwaters, you know what that means, right? Yeah. Well, look at the pictures. We've got a link to Bobby's story right here in the, in the show description on whatever platform you're listening to right now, you can get a link directly to Bobby's story. Podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic inspiration comes from the license lab with support from Landmark Credit Union and on Milwaukee. Please do subscribe and remember to rate and review the podcast as well. We'd love to hear your feedback and yeah, make sure you do subscribe. We put out new episodes inside different buildings around town every Tuesday from 88.9 and from on Milwaukee. So check us out, subscribe, and we'll talk to you next week. We've got a really fun one coming up next week, Bobby. We do. Um, Crunchy the garbage truck. Yes, yes. And some people remember Crunchy. Some people claim to remember Crunchy. I'm pretty sure I remember Crunchy. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll tell you more about that next week on Urban Spelunking.